That's a good test. That's a good self-examination. Do you find beauty in an old rugged cross? Examine yourself and think about that. Do you find beauty in an old rugged cross? Please find your way to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. The word of God is doing its work in the hearts of God's children. Amen. We all have been challenged over the last few weeks. It makes us think. It changes the way we think. The word of God transforms the mind of his children. And when the mind is transformed, then the way we act, the way we live, the relationships we have with others are transformed also. We do not treat others like the world does. Jesus changed all of that, and he did it with love. He showed us how to love others, even when they did not deserve it. They do not deserve it. Even when they are unlovable. Even when they are doing evil to him, he gave love. And we're to be like Christ. We're to love. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we fail. But it doesn't mean that we stop loving. We keep on loving. We mature in our faith. We become more Christ-like. We have the ability. We have the capacity. We have the power to love. We as fallen men have to say, and I say again, we have to. We have to make a conscious decision to love every day. We have to make an educated, conscious decision to love in all relationships. We're in a battle, and we have choices to make every day. Do we feed the flesh, or do we fall, do we, do we fall into the desires of the flesh, or do we glorify God? As we walk on this earth, we have decisions, have decision after decisions to make. Do we satisfy the lust of the flesh or do we seek to be set apart from the world? And like I've always said, the good news is we can make the right choices. We can do it. When we accepted the gift of eternal life, when we put our trust in God, when we put our faith in Jesus, God sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. The choice we have to make now is do we quench the Holy Spirit or do we let the fruit of the Spirit rule our lives? I want you to think about that. We mentioned the battle that all believers have last week. We talked about that. It's, it's basically a battle between good and evil, right? Between doing good or feeding the flesh. The battle is constant. It doesn't go away until we go home. It doesn't go away. We do not wake up in the morning and say, well, I choose to do good today. We should do that, yeah. But we don't wake up and say, well, I choose to do good and then the rest of the day you just do good all day with no problems right it doesn't work that way we have to make right choices minute by minute and i keep saying we're able to make the right choice we're able to choose christ over the flesh because of an educated conscience and because of the holy spirit and i keep driving that point you hear me say it all the time because a lot of christians feel defeated when they get into battle they want to give up I don't want any of us to ever feel that way. I don't want any of us to ever feel defeated or want to give up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not ever. We have to know that we know because of what Christ has done, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because of, because of an educated conscience, we are able to love. We are able to do what God has commanded us to do. We are able to win these battles. Never feel defeated. Amen? That's right. I love what the word said last week. The word said the world will know us by how we love. 
the world will know us when they see the fruit of the spirit being poured out by believers. I'm sure you have Galatians 5.22 written in your margins here in these verses in Romans, because it goes right along with what we're learning in this section. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love, right? We got that down. Now, something I want to point out when it comes to the, uh, comes to the fruit of spirit. The word says fruit, not fruits, okay? Fruit, meaning this is one big fruit that we get. We don't have like a, a fruit of love and maybe a, a, a little of the peace fruit over here. And, a, you know, give me one of those self-control fruits too. Now, this, this is one big fruit. We're, we, if, if you were able to pick the fruit of the spirit, you would just like reach up and grab this big old fruit right down there and hold it. We don't have to say, but wait, there's more. No, no, you get it all right then. The commercial's over. It's done. We get it all. We have this one big, gigantic fruit of the spirit. You don't walk down the, the, the fruit aisle and say, you know, well, you know, a little joy today, a little faithfulness, throw in a little bit of gentleness. My family would like that. No, the good news is we get it all because of the Holy Spirit in us. All of it is in us and all of it comes out of us to this world for this world to see love joy peace patience patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control we get it all in one complete fruit and and i bring that up because many people think we have the fruit buffet we choose the fruit we want to live out i'm struggling with this one no it doesn't work that way we live out all of this fruit and it is seen by the world so we have a a lot of power and we're a big bunch of fruits <laughs> not fruit cakes just fruit distributors okay let's look back at verse 8 here in romans oh no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. We got that. We studied that last week. Now, to show you how the fruit of the spirit brings this together, back to Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Everybody stops right there. If you got your little memory card, it stops right there. It just lists those out. But if you keep reading, listen to the next, the next few words. It says, against such things, there is no law. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to pour out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And against such things, there is no law. And it all comes out of love. It all comes out of love. You know, as the men were meeting the other night, Big Mike brought up a point. He said, anything we do has to come from the heart and out of love. I, I won't go into the details of the conversation, but he said there was a point in his life that he realized that he has to do or he does what he does to serve the Lord from the heart and out of love for no other reasons. He said it was a life-changing moment. It was a milestone in his life 
that he could look back on and say, that is when my walk with the Lord really changed. Love took over his life. Praise the Lord. I would say this. when we, If any of us were to look back, look back and remember that moment, the moment when love took over our lives, we could say that is when our maturity as a believer started to grow, started to take off, when love takes over. When we do what we do out of love, it changes everything. No longer checking a box, no longer with a bad attitude, no longer out of duty, no longer do we do it to see what we can get out of it. When we love, it becomes a joy to serve. When we love, it becomes true worship. When we love, we are being Christ-like and able to forgive others. When we love, it becomes a lifestyle and it is pleasing to God. Love is a mark of a maturing Christian. Love makes us choose. We have choices to make, right over wrong, good over evil. The word says love does no wrong to a brother. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So bottom line, we are commanded to obey the law of love. And when we do, our love supersedes both religious and civil laws. You know, a lot of times we say, well, I'm only going to do what the law requires and no more. I have no legal obligation to help those people. And I'm only going to give them what they earn or they deserve that's all the love no that's not how it works that's not how we are look look at loving others whenever love demands it we are to go beyond human legal requirements and imitate the god of love galatians 5 22 says love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law we got that Listen to verse 24 in Galatians. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That brings us right to our text today. Look at verse 10 in Romans. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and, and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sen sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What does Galatians say? And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here the word says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, with all that in mind, let's walk through this text. Verse 11. Besides this, Paul says, you know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. So he's saying, in addition to what we have just been taught, on top of that, you know, you know the time. The word time, the word for time here actually means season. Paul, Paul, Paul says, you know the season. So, so after Paul goes through all this teaching on love, he says, besides that, you know the season. Remember last week as he talked about the urgency of showing love? 
meaning we do not wait until tomorrow to love. We love today. We don't put off loving our neighbor to next week. No, we do it today. So we love today because we're commanded to do so. But not only that, because not only because of that, we love today because we know the season, the season. So we are to realize our constant need to show love. Yes, but especially after we consider the season or the time. Listen to what Peter says. He tells us how to act to serve during this season. He says we are to be morally prepared and spiritually alert. First Peter 7, 11 says this. 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, so he's, he's speaking. The end of all things are at hand. Therefore, since we know the season, what do we do? Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, listen to what he says. Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that's, this is where we get do all things for the glory of God. We love. We proclaim the word. We serve all for the glory of God. So what we see is Peter, he's speaking of a season. And he tells us how to live during that season. James does the same thing. Listen to James 5, 8 through 9. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. This is what we're supposed to do. Why? He says, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He reminds us of the, of the season. Do not grumble against one another. That comes up a lot, doesn't it? It's in there a lot. Do not grumble against one another. Brothers, so that you may be, not be judged, behold, the judge is standing at the door. John speaks of a season in 1 John 2.18. Children, it is, the, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. And so there are seasons. And brings up a good question. What season are we in? And the answer is, we are in the end time. We are looking to the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The season, the last hour, the end of all things, the coming of the Lord is right where we stand right now. Christ's return is near. So the word says, because you know the time, because you know the season we are in, the word calls us to love, to be morally prepared. We are to be spiritually alert and diligently serving all for the glory of God. The church should be seeking to live out all, all live, live this all out. This is what sets us apart from the world. <clears throat> Verse 11 says, because you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. So because we know the season, Paul says, the hour has come. It is time for you to wake from sleep. 
Wake up, people. God is telling his children, wake up. The day is here. This is a, a shake-up, wake-up call to see the urgency to love and to be prepared. Paul's calling out the church. He's calling us out to wake up. As believers, as followers of Christ, we must be vigilant, alert, and not caught unaware. Wake up. Stop sleeping. Stop napping. The hour is here. Write this verse in your margins, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. He says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers. There it is again. He says, you have no need to have anything written to you. I like that. It's like, you know this. You know. We should know as believers. We should know when it comes to the time and seasons. We should know. Verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise for the that day to surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us, there's some salad for you. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And for those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate, breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So let us spur one another on. Let us build one another up. Wake up, church. Not just during my sermon. This is something you carry out. Be, awoke, be awake and alert all the time. And, and all times when it comes to the things of God. Amen. Do you know what has to happen in order for Christ to return? Do, do you know what? event has to take place before Jesus can come back for can come back for his children preach the gospel as being done so basically not nothing has to happen look at the scriptures look at what the scriptures say if you look at all the writers write as if Christ could come back at any moment Paul lived as if Christ could return during his lifetime John did the same. Peter did the same. The return of Christ is imminent. It could happen at any moment. And that thought alone should wake us up. It should wake us up. But the problem is, is that we have this old sinful nature that rears its ugly head from time to time. And we get comfortable. And what happens is we get our priorities mixed up. We get caught up in life on this earth. And we forget about eternity. We get caught up of just doing life. We get caught up trying to survive out here. And we forget about Jesus and his return. And it could happen to the best of them. I've seen it over the years of people falling away and falling asleep. And it all starts with not meeting together with other believers. You know, and that happens, and so how to love, you know, you'll call them and say, hey, you know, been missing you, miss you okay, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, I'm still in the Word, though. I'm still, you know, open to open the Word. Just not able to meet together because I'm busy right now. 
I'm in a busy season. Then the world slowly takes them away from the word. They slowly turn away from opening the scriptures and they slowly fall asleep. They fall into a state of spiritual apathy. They become spiritually asleep. And when one falls spiritually asleep, sin is tolerated and good works are not pursued. And soon they fall into a spiritual coma. And they do not wake up. If they do not wake up, they go into to an all-out coma and they become unresponsive to God. Ephesians 5.14 says this. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. There's a choice to be made. Addressing one another in the Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Meeting together. Digging into the word. Being filled with the spirit. Worshiping God. Giving thanks. Submitting to one another. All for the glory of God. But for someone who has fallen asleep. Who lives in the darkness. They do not desire nor do they do these things. Matthew Henry says this. He said man is to awake out of the sleep of sin. For sinful condition is a sleeping condition. Out of the sleep of carnal security, sloth and negligence, out of the sleep of spiritual death and out of the sleep of spiritual deadness. We have, we have need to be often excited and stirred up to awake. The word of command to all Christ's people, all Christ's dis disciplines is watch, awake, be concerned about your souls and your eternal interests. Take heed of sin. Be ready to and serious in that which is good and live in a constant expectation of the coming of the Lord. Consider what time of the day it is with us and you will see it high time to awake. It is gospel time. It is the accepted time. It is the working time. It is a time when more is expected than when than, than was in the times of that ignorance when God winked at it. When people sat in darkness, it is high time to awake he says we know the time we know the season we are to be awake wake up church besides this verse 11 you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed thinking about salvation alone should keep us awake it should you know, when Paul speaks of our salvation as, as near, nearer here, he's pointing out, he's pointing to the consummation of salvation. You know, there's three stages of salvation spoken of in the Bible. Ephesians 2.8, we know this. Paul speaks of the salvation that was accomplished in the past. He says, for by grace you 
have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So we, so we have been saved. The word speaks of our salvation in the presence. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who, have, who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we have been saved and we are being saved. Here in Romans 5, 9, we can see our future salvation. It says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So much more shall we be saved. All three tenses come to mind here as you see this. You can think about it this way. It's uh, So justification refers to declared and positional righteousness that happens once and saves the believer from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, you hear that a lot, refers to the lifelong process of believers growing spiritually in practical righteousness. Glorification refers to the believer's ultimate perfection as a child of God. So we can look back at the moment of salvation. We can see that we are called to work out our, our salvation. And as we work it out, we know that that our salvation, as Paul says, is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And that thought gives us an eager expectation that the fullness of all that salvation means is yet to come. It's yet to come. I can't wait for that time, amen. I can't wait. Philippians 3.20 speaks of that time. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We eagerly await for the consummation of our salvation. We eagerly await for our savior's return. And it's nearer right now <laughs> than when I first started speaking this morning. So we have a sense of urgency to love. There's an urgency to live out our salvation because we know the season. We have a sense of urgency to do good works because every minute that goes by is a minute closer to the return of Christ and the completion of our salvation. Each passing day in the faith brings final salvation and deliverance closer and closer. And God's children said, Come soon, Lord Jesus, come soon. Something we need to keep in mind here, though. We're not waiting for this to happen. We are, but we're not waiting for the consummation. We are working towards that time. We are, we are to be active, right? Not asleep. Not waiting. Why? Because our time is limited. Opportunities are brief. There's no time for apathy, complacency, or indifference. The time to heed and obey is now. Is now. Now that we know the season. Now that we know the hour is here to be awake. Now that we know our time is limited. Now that we understand our position in time. What are we to do in the present time? What do we do here as we look forward to the return of Christ? Verse 11, besides this, you know the time for the hour has come for you to wake from this from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. 
the day is at hand. So let us, there's some more salad there, let us. Every time we see let us, we have to know that that's a call for action and that's a call for obedience every time. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So we've been called to wake up and here we see that we've been called to clean up. We are to cast off the works of the darkness. Now we see casting off and putting, putting off and, and casting off and putting on all, all through the scriptures. One of my favorites is Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. You know, that's, that's who we used to be. That's not who we are now. We're no longer that person. Verse 8, he says, but now, but now you must put them away. Anger, malice, wrath, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, listen, put off the old self with its practices. Put off the old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So in order to become more Christ-like, we have to put off the old before we can put on the new. Many may think, well, you know what? I just put Jesus on and I'm good. Well, sort of. I get that. But throughout the word, we are told to put off first and then put on. Here's a good way to think about it. You come home from the job. You've been in 100-degree heat all day in the red mud, sweaty, dusty, dirty, you nasty, okay? And you come in and your beautiful wife says, you know, I would like to go out and eat tonight. I wanna to go to a nice restaurant. And you being the good loving husband you are, say anything for you, my love, we'll go. And you say, let, let me go get ready. It won't take as long as it takes you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get ready. And you go into the room. You go into the room and you put on this nice white suit. But you don't take off your work clothes. You just put that white suit right, right over the dirty clothes. So what happens? That smell, that stench, the dirt and sweat just seeps right out from under those beautiful clothes and it comes out. You see, we have to throw off the old clothes and put on the new. And maybe bathe in between there, guys. It's, maybe we could take a little longer getting ready. I don't know. We have to put off the old, clean up, and put on the new. But don't, don't read me wrong here. We don't clean ourselves up and then come to Christ. It doesn't happen. For one, we will never be clean enough to come to Christ. Not ever. I've had people tell me, well, look, you know, man, I got some stuff I need to get straight. I need to, you know, get rid of this, and do that. I need to 
clean up before I come to church or come to Jesus. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work. We know we do not have the power to clean ourselves up before we come to Christ. Without Christ, we don't have the power to clean up. We don't have the right clothes to put on to come to Jesus. He gives that all to us. Christ supplies all of that. Remember, we can do all that God has commanded us to do through what? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we clean ourselves up. We come to Christ dirty, sweaty, nasty, and then the Spirit takes up residence in our hearts. And when that happens, he starts doing a mighty work in us. He starts cleaning us up. We then have the power to put off the old man, to put off those old clothes, to put off that old man and those deeds, and put on the new man that is continually being renewed in the knowledge of God. And we begin to realize who we are in Christ and how we are to live. We begin living a transformed life. Each one of us is a child of God, and we should be wearing that armor of life, like God says, not the deeds of the darkness. As believers, we have no reason to get involved in the sinful pleasures of the world. The text I read today, listen, look at that list of the things that put off, put off, put off. We're called to action. We're called to put off the things that we should be ashamed of. Listen to 1 John 2, 28 through 3, 3. He speaks about the return of Christ. Listen to what he says about the children of God. He says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practiced righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they that it that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We are to behave as Christ, as if Christ could appear at any moment. We behave, though, not out of fear, but out of love, like we mentioned in the beginning. We do what God commands us to do because we love him. Not because of the fear that we might get caught and be punished, no. No, love. Love is the mark of a maturing Christian. So even though we live in this present age, we do not have to be part of this age. You know, what I'm saying is this present age is like a night of sin that has just about run its course. We are in the world, but not of, we are, we are in the world, but not of the world, like John said. Did you pick up what I said? The night of sin has just about run its course. That's what verse 12 says. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. The night is the present age, and it's just about over. That's good news. That's good news. 
Even better news is for believers, the day of eternal glory is about to dawn on all of us. That thought is what keeps us going. That thought is what wakes us up. That thought is what gives us joy. That thought is what gives us hope. Now that we know the season, now that we know the hour is here to be awake, now that we know that our time is limited, now that we understand our position in time, now that we know the night has just about run its course, we cast off those filthy garments of the world and we put on the armor of light. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We have choices to make in our lives. Do we choose the deeds of the darkness? No, not as children of God. That is not how we behave. We are set apart. We have no reason to get involved in the sinful pleasures of the world. We have to be proactive in doing this. We let the spirit of God rule in our lives. We educate our conscience. We put on the armor of God. We put on the armor of life. That means we put on a protective covering so we can live a holy life. We're to be proactive. Paul was active his entire time of his ministry. I love what he says towards the end. He rejoiced. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me crowns of righteousness, which the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. He said, not only to me, but also those who have loved his appearing. And what Paul's doing there, he's reminding every believer. Guess what? We all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one of us, each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We have choices to make. Deeds of the darkness or deeds of the light. We are already eternally freed from the condemnation and punishment of our sins. Christ taking upon himself the sins of the world became permanently effective for us the moment we received him as Lord and Savior. But when he returns, when Christ comes back, which we know could be at any moment, there will be a judgment of our efforts on behalf of the kingdom when he will bring to list to light the hidden the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man will praise each man's praise will come to him from God. It does matter how we live. It does matter. Cast off the old, put on the new. We are new creations. So let's leave with this today. We always stand on the promises of God, right? The Lord himself made a promise to his people. He said, let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. We know the season. We know the hour is here to wake up. We know our time is limited. We understand our position in time. We know the night has just about run its course and the daybreak is its hand. But what we do not know, we do not know and cannot know the hour of which Christ will return. But we do know 
that we are some 2,000 years closer than when Paul wrote this letter. We do not know how much sand remains in the top of the Lord's hourglass of human history, but there is abundant evidence that not much time is left. We know that we are near to the coming of our Lord with power and great glory than any other generation in history. And every day we live, we come one day closer to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the final events in God's redemptive plan. So we have been called to wake up. We have been called to clean up. And next week, we're going to see that we're called to grow up and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.